Welcome to the Bread Boon Podcast. I'm the voice of it, Dan Levy, alongside the Silver Slugger, the All Star, the Golden Glover. Bread Boon, what up, man? Hey, Danny, how you doing? What do we What do we got? Well, we probably have one of the more special shows I've ever been a part of. The guest is by far the coolest one I've ever met in my entire life. He would be a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame, a 13-time All-Star, 1997 AL MVP. I could keep listing all these stats over and over again, but he was the face of baseball for my entire generation. He is Ken Griffey Jr. What's up, Jr.? None. How are you guys? Kenny Griffey. I'll tell you what, Danny, that's that's the best player I ever played with. And... uh, Man, we haven't talked for a while. I get to see Kenny time around. How are you doing, Griff? What's going I'm, on? I'm all right. You know, chasing kids around. You know, the you know they're getting older and and they they trying to spread their wings and and move out. But uh, you know, with the pandemic, we told them to, uh, you got to stay home for a couple more months, and we'll figure it out from there. How well? How's the golf swing? Uh, you're gonna have to give me some strokes. I like it. See, first time, Dan, Kenny, too proud, too proud to ever give, ever ask for strokes. But uh, what's your handicap? You know, you, you st- I'm I'm a five two. Uh, I'm a three three. So, so I, I'm getting shots. No, no, no. I'm gonna get some. Come on, man. <laughs> you still you you still at Iowaworth? Yeah, I'm still there. Uh, and I uh, joined. Uh, a couple other clubs, uh, Grove 23, which is Jordan's course. And I uh, got a course in Chicago, Rich Harvest Farms. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I'm out in San Diego. I'm doing the same thing. I'm, I'm chasing kids around. We got a couple out of the house. We got the twin 16-year-olds. Um, but other than that, man, life. Okay. All right. We've had one driver at a time turn 16. How do you deal with two? Dude, you, you do it this way. You get straight A's, you get two cars. You don't get straight A's, you just get one. I'm getting him a motorcycle with a sidecar. <laughs> what about that? Uh, uh, and, and, you know, they always say, hey, why, why did Jake get a brand new car? Jake had straight A's. I, there's nothing I can say about it. But I don't know. They get it uh, January 1st is when their permit's up. So we'll be going there. Oh, I, I don't know. It's the last two. Savannah's out. Jakey's out. Uh, although Jakey comes home in the off season, we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> I know how that but, feels, man. Yeah, but uh, I want to start off. I haven't talked to you for a while. It's great seeing you, man. Um, I want to talk about me and you. Got a lot in common. We grew up similar similar life you know dad coming to the ballpark with dad you you grew up the big red machine i grew up in philly uh i'm sure we we're both running around we didn't really meet until you know i'm trying to tell the audience a little bit about our our past we didn't really meet until seattle time correct and and uh i want to i wanted to ask you was it always baseball for you or was it football hoops what'd you do in high school no i Whatever whatever sport was in season, that's the one we played. Uh, I didn't play high school basketball only because football and, and baseball overlap in basketball. You know, so I didn't feel that I didn't feel that it was uh, right for me to, you know, come in in the middle of the year in basketball and then leave. You know, when to possibly have a state championship run. 
So I, I didn't play basketball in high school, but I played football and, and baseball, which um, those are the two main sports that I played. I tell, yeah, my, go my, ahead. I tell everybody that my, I call my, my jumper teaspoon full of sweat because that's all it takes before me to get hot when I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I played hoops through, through my sophomore year, but getting into that before I was, when I, when we talked the other day and, and you were going to come on, I, I just started thinking about stuff, you know, as much as we had some brief time as teammates and we've known each other for a long time, but I was thinking we had a lot more common than I thought. Ken Griffey Jr. obviously came up at Seattle Mariners. I joined him a few years later. Uh, I went off to Cincinnati, and I ended up leaving Cincinnati, went to Atlanta for a year, San Diego. I went back to Seattle. Kenny went the other way, and he went to uh, Cincinnati. And in the meantime, uh, Kenny's dad, Ken Griffey Sr., I had for two different two different uh, tenures of – as he was my hitting coach and then junior ended up playing for my dad in Cincinnati. And as much as this is, you know, this is about you. I want to hear some Bob Boone story. What is it like? I know what it's like when I don't come home Friday night, but I want to know what it's like playing for big Bob. Well, uh, you know, he, he lets you be you. I think that's the, the one thing that he didn't, he didn't try to mold you into something that you weren't. Um, he let his athletes be athletes. Um, he didn't go in there and control the game, you know, like some of the managers do now. Um, if he had a gut feeling, he went by his gut. You know, it's you know, when you talk about old school baseball and, and having gut feelings and and doing things the right way, that was Bob. Um, <clears throat> the only thing that scared the shit out of me was that his red wine at the end of the game. In those old white shorts that he wore. <laughs> he still wears them. I sit there. He's got flip-flops on, white shorts, and a, 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 a some vino. And I was like, uh, and this is the manager? Yeah. I said, all right. <laughs> and, you, and, you had, and you had Aaron, too. So you got my brother on that team. And, and Aaron and Dad butt heads. Me and Dad could work good together, but Aaron and Dad butt heads all the time. And, well, and, they're, uh, they're just alike. They're the same, aren't they? Tell yeah. people that don't really, you know, I can tell them, but they're like the same person. You know, oh, yeah. really, really close to the vest, straight arrow, not going to tell you too much. Right. Always, always going to say the right thing. Right. Politically correct. But it's Politically, it, it really is. And uh, yeah, and I had Kenny Sr. as my hit and co I mean, we'd, we'd be talking, I'd be struggling, he'd be flipping me balls and, and, uh, you know, he'd be talking about Kenny. Well, this is what Kenny does. I said, hey, Kenny ain't here right now. He's left-handed. He's got a better swing than me. No, no, no. What? When I got to, when he was my hitting coach in Cincinnati, uh, struggled the first part of the season. <clears throat> and uh, my mom says, hey, call him. And he goes, why? I see him every day. He goes, maybe he doesn't understand what you're saying, showing him at the ballpark. So, he calls me. He said, hey, I want to tell you what you're doing wrong, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, okay, I got it. He goes, man, I've been trying to tell you that all year. I said, yeah, but telling, showing me is different than how I interpret it when you talk to me. You've talked right. to me for you know 20 years on the phone, and how I interpret things may be different than you're saying, but we come up with the same results. He said, that's it? I go, oh, yeah. And then I went on a tear. He's like, I'm going to just have to call him. But it took me like a good two and a half months and I finally he just 
And, and now we lived literally 300 yards apart. He stayed in the, the hotel. I mean, the, the apartments right around the corner. Right. And I stayed at, uh, I can't even think of the apartments. It's been so long. Oh, back in, in Cincy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forget. I probably say it's one little place. Yes. He stayed. Yes. There. I stayed there too. Yeah. When I was there and everybody right stays there. there and I live right down the street. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's amazing, man, because because you talk, you know, and I've heard you talk and we've talked about it, our dads and our and throughout our careers and, uh, you know, working with each other. And, and I remember when I was in. Well, I was never with dad. I was dad with dad one year. I had him as the bench coach in Cincinnati. But we always worked really well together from a hitting standpoint. There was something about us that we just, you know, we could separate the father's son. And I used to fly him in. He'd fly into Seattle and, and we'd be working under the, you know, in the cages before anybody got there. Once again, to stay politically correct, you know, he's probably working for another organization. But, you know, when I'm desperate, I'm desperate. I, I got to send dad a ticket. Right. And it was, uh, no, it's, it's pretty cool. Who knows your swing better than your dad? Nobody. No. And, 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 and like, you know, growing up, you know, he's worried about two swings, you and Aaron. You know, my yeah. dad's worried about mine. So he doesn't worry about 25, you know, 13 other guys swing, even though he's looking at them. He's over there like, hey, 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 I need to get this one right. So I understand that, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, my kids and, you know, your kids. When they're not doing what they're supposed to do and you know that they can do better, you got to sometimes kick them in the butt and make sure they're doing all right. Yeah. Which kicks me into uh, your son, Trey, played at the University of Arizona and uh, played Miami in the NFL. I, I think he had a brief stint in Pittsburgh. What was it like for, for you, Junior, um, when Trey got to that point where he's a big-time college football player? And now you're Kenny, but you're going to see him, and, you, and you're looking at it a, a little bit differently. I'm about to do that with with Jacob. He just he just signed with Washington. Give me a little advice. What what'd you do with Trey? How do you, how do you handle that? No, I've always said that you know I want to be known as Trey Taron and Tevin's dad. I don't want them to be, hey that's King Griffey Junior's son. I want right. them to to be better than me. Um, whether that's on the field, off the field. Um, you know, one of the greatest compliments that I got was from Jason LaRue. And he said, hey, I wish we had more kids like yours in this clubhouse. You know, you know, in the clubhouse, there's some kids that you like. If I could kick them in the throat, I would. Yeah. And then you have those kids that, hey, if you ask him to do something, he don't give you any lip. He go ahead and do it. I mean, I was sitting there um, and I tell Trey, you know, at the time, it ain't owed to you to be in this clubhouse. This is where I work. You just happen to reap some of the benefits of, you know, me being here. But if somebody asks you to do something, go ahead and do it. Um, and, and, you know, Adam Dunn. Yeah. So Dunner played a joke on him. So, you know, I was on a training table um, getting some work done, maintenance work. And the Kentucky Derby was a couple of days away. So I told Te- a Trey to go ahead and pick my horse. Well, he picks Big Brown, who was the, the favorite. Well, the police, we were in uh, Miami at the time. The police came and said, hey, are you underage gambling? <laughs> yeah. And, and he's nine years old and he uh, he is like in tears. You know, he comes in, he opens the door. And, you know, as a, as a dad, you're like, 
what's wrong? As soon as they look at you and he runs up there and jumps in my arms and he starts crying. I was like, why are you crying? And Adam rocks in behind, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, for what? He goes, man, we played a joke on him. And I had to tell him, I said, man, you're accepted in this clubhouse when they start playing jokes on you. Yeah. And, and when they start doing that, then you're good. He said, but the police was involved. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's cool. So the police I, came in and was like, hey, I said, like, he's okay. And so, but, you know, that's the, the, the thing is, you know, being a part of a locker room, being a part of people who do it for uh, a living, um, being around people who have won mold you to wanting to win all the time. Now, you know, baseball is the hardest sport to win a championship because it's the only sport that defense has the ball and defense controls if their best player plays, the other team's best player plays. I can stick out four fingers and say, take you about the first base and there's nothing anybody can do about it. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, but, you know, but it's also the most stubborn game. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're never as good as people say you are and you're never as bad as people that you think you are. You know, every day that you come in, I got to get two hits. You don't get no hits. You know, you move. But I always said that uh, everything's for sale in my house. If I don't get no hits, everything's for sale, including my house. You know, you got, when you get a couple of hits, things change. You start buying stuff. You know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we don't know. I can't hit anymore. I'm done. Yeah, let's sell everything. Mortimer, sell. Uh, yeah. Well, I got a, uh, you know, and it's, it kind of sucks that I got to ask you this question now, but, you know, uh, Joe Morgan passed away recently. Uh, just touch on a little bit. I know you grew up around him. Um, having Pete come on the show, he was supposed to come on the day the day that that Joe passed, and, and we moved it off to later in the week. But you know, just tell me a little tell me a little Joe Morgan story, man. So, um, Joe was one of the first people to call me. Um, right after being in the hall of getting inducted to the hall of fame, but I've known, you know, I've known Joe pretty much all my life. Um, you know, it's always been there, you know, on and off the field for me when I had questions, uh, when I went to, you know, going to San Francisco and he wasn't working for ESPN, he'd make sure he stopped by and see me make sure that I was okay. And this is, you know, from my rookie year, until, you know, when I retired, it, it was always, you know, um, I would get a phone call in the off season two or three times. Hey, man, just thinking about you. And <clears throat> a couple of days ago, a Monday when he passed, um, I was sitting here talking about, you know, the things that Joe did to another friend of mine. And we were just having a conversation about five minutes into the conversation, my dad texted me and said, Hey, uh, Joe passed. And I was like, what? And so I called him. We started talking. He was like, yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, he passed. And, uh, I was like, oh. so from, I just had a bad feeling and, and stuff like that. Cause you, you know, I was meaning to call him uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, 
And then I called somebody and said, now we haven't heard from him. So I was like, uh-oh, you know, maybe he's just not feeling well. Because, you know, I saw him at Hall of Fame last year. We had a great conversation. Because it's probably about three people that I sit next to. Joe's one of them, Eddie, and, and Big Hurt. Um, <clears throat> those are the people that, you know, Ricky's always there laughing. So we're always at the same table. And But, you know, those are the guys that, you know, I walked in the room. They were like, hey, come here, sit down. Hey, let's talk. You know, and Joe's like, you know, just like he always does. He's, you know, asking about the family, making sure everybody's all right. Uh, and we talked about him and he said, hey, man, I'm struggling, but, you know, I'm a fighter. And uh, I just, it, it, it hurts because, you know, like I said, I'm 50 now and I've known this guy for 47 years. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. All right. Well, well, we'll turn it to, to a little bit brighter of a subject right now. All right. I don't know if you remember this. Okay. Remember old Arlington. Now this is right when, when I, when I'm a rookie and remember, you remember my early days and, no, and, me, and, <laughs> and me and Lou. Well, anyway, we're in old Arlington and this is before even the stadium. They just knocked down, you know, the one we're in left field. Oh, we had yeah. to, okay. Oh, yeah. So, the, and, and Kenny, correct me if I'm wrong telling this story, but it's one of my favorites. So I'm a rookie. I don't know if I'm coming or going. I'm hitting sixth, I think, that day, seventh. Kenny's hitting normal three-hole. I think Omar's hitting in the two-hole. And Kenny and me, this is one of my first trips to Texas. And, and, and that trip, I think, me and Kenny are, are pretty much locker mates, or I'm close to him because I remember leaving the clubhouse and Kenny's watching cartoons in his locker, you know, kind of just chilling. I go down, stretch, get ready. You know, in those days, when, when I first got the biggest, I had my helmet on 15 minutes before the game, and I'm hitting seven. But uh, Lou looks at me, and he says, hey, son, he goes, where's your buddy, Junior? I said, uh, you were DHing that day. And I said, I, I left Kenny up in the clubhouse. I saw him. He was watching TV. He goes, well, could you check on him? The game's about to start. I said, I'll check, Skip. I go running up into the clubhouse. And Danny, I got Kenny sitting in, sitting in his locker sleeping. I wake him up. I said, Junior, you're about to hit. He gets up, runs down into the dugout. Lou's looking at him like, what are you doing? He doesn't have his shoes tied, throws his helmet on, a little pine tar on the bat, walks up. I, I swear I, I remember it this way. I think Omar had hit a double. Just when he walks out of the dugout, they're announcing his name. He gets up, he hits the first pitch about 15 seats up, comes back in, looks at Lou and says, hey, Skip, can I go back to what I was doing? And Lou looks at him and goes, son, you do stuff like that. You do whatever the fuck you want to do. And Kenny went back up to the clubhouse. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, except I don't use pine tar. All right. I got the pine tar. That's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorite stories. You know, going to the ballpark, uh, and I, people don't know that I'm there six hours before the game. I know that. Yeah. You know, if it's a it's 7 o'clock game, I'm there at 1230, 1 o'clock. Um, Try to get my mind right, um, do a little meditating. But uh, yeah, I knew who was pitching. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, 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 fun, 
It's one of my favorite, and, and the best part of it, too, is just Lou, you know, with the classic son. Just do whatever the hell you want to do. You're going to come out of here and hit a homer. And, I mean, Lou, you got – what about Lou? What can you say? I mean, we don't have enough time on this on this podcast to cover Lou. But but he's one – they broke the mold when, when uh, Lou Pinella came into this world. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely did that. Uh, you know, you tell everybody about Lou and um, – you know, the, the one thing, like when Lou was in 93, when he got there, the first thing I wanted was to be traded. And because of, you know, my dad in 1990, he was the manager for the Reds. I was like, I'm not playing for him. Uh, and my dad had to settle me down because I'm like, I'm 23, 24 years old. I'm not playing for him, you know, because it's like, you know, you see what happened to your father. You're not doing that to me. You know how that type of stuff works. Right. Right. So Lou gets the job. All of a sudden, my dad's the hidden coach. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, we got to make Kenny happy. What is, what is this? And, and uh, you know, and um, it was just, it was weird because my dad was like, "Hey, he's a great guy. Don't take it wrong. Go out there and play. You'll love him." And to this day, he's my favorite manager. I'm with you right there too. Uh, uh, and Lou and I, and, and you remember when I was first coming up, when I was a pup and round and round with Lou, I went and, uh, you know, he ended up trading me to Cincinnati. But when I came back in 2001, you know, it was a little bit different. I was a veteran guy and, and uh, man, to this day, I, I, and I got to play for some great managers, Bochi and Bobby Cox. Uh, but I'll tell you, Lou, he, he stands alone. I'm with you. He's, he's my favorite ever. And, and I remember man. sitting there taking BP and you're in our group and you were hitting balls. All the- Son, hit the ball on the ground. We've already got guys who can hit out the park. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then I came back to about one. He's like, hit that ball in the bleachers. But yeah. man, Lou is, he's unbelievable. Uh, I want to tell the, tell the audience, uh, this is another story between me and Junior. We, we lived together, or we, we were neighbors down in, in Florida in Windermere. And every offseason, before we left, uh, Kenny would always say, all right, Booney, how many home runs are we going to hit this year? And Kenny would spot me 20 or 25 homers. Did I ever beat you? We did it about four years in a row. Did I ever oh, beat you? No. Oh, and Kenny would come back with like, how many did you hit? 24. Well, I hit 56. You lose again. Yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't beat me. So that was uh, that was my second second well, most comfortable. I spotted Barry that too. Yeah, Lark? Oh, yeah. I got Barry one day. Uh, remember Chris Steins? Yeah. Steiny hit a – Barry hit two ground rule doubles with him on second, and he didn't score either time. Steins? Yes, he was going back <laughs> to the back. <laughs> So the first inning I came up, I was looking at him. The, the, the uh, second time I came up, I didn't want to look at Barry. I was laughing so hard because Barry's on fire. You hit a ground rule double with a guy on second, and they give him third base. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible. Uh, yes. If you're going back to tag, you can only get one bag. They they're not going to give you two. Yeah. Oh, wow. that's, it was the funniest thing. It was like, oh, I felt so bad for Steiny. Okay. No, I didn't. So, Danny, there's two times. Uh, that's pretty humbling when you go out and you hit 
and Kenny gets spots you 20 or 25 and you lose and you lose consistently. But the, the only other time in, in this game of baseball is very humbling. But I get I Stein uh, 1990 at a, at a USC and, uh, you know, I get I get through the minor leagues pretty quick and I'm pretty hot to trot. I think I'm something special. I get to the big leagues and uh, Kenny's already been there for two and a half years and we're the same age. So, so we go with the, with the, uh, the bets that humbled me, but that was my, and that was really my first time of really this game humbling me like, man, Junior's here. He's been here. This is his third year. And I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get a hit. And man, at the beginning, it was hard for me, you know, and I had you and Edgar and and Kenny, but I always appreciated you because you're always Ken Griffey Jr. and you've always got that smile on your face and you're always having a good time and joking. But but those times when I first came up, you'd take me, you know, not out in public in front of everybody, but you you know, in the kingdom underneath, you you take me and, and have some talks with me, like Booney, you, you gotta settle down, you're gonna be all right. And and I appreciated that because here's a guy my same age, and there weren't many people my age that were getting to the big leagues, and you'd already been there for three years, but uh that, that was pretty interesting, and I always remember that about you and appreciate that about you. But I told you about my humbling times in the game. What humbled you in this game? I think I went 0 for 16 after my first hit. Yeah? Yeah, I got my first hit, and then I think I went 0 for 16. Uh, and then I got to the kingdom and hit the very first pitch out. But I don't think I've gone more than – 17 at bats without getting a hit. Um, <clears throat> but just, you know, like I said, you know, the, this game is, is ups and downs all year. Um, best player, I don't have to let you play. So you, you can't be too high on yourself. You can't get too low on yourself. But having a dad, like I said, we had a dad that, that you can see how they act when they come home. You know, you know, your dad's somewhat like mine. You know, if you went four for four, zero for four, you couldn't tell by if you came. They came home and said, "Hey, dad, I want to go play catch." They'd be like, "Okay, let's play catch. Let's do something." Because it ain't our fault that he had a bad day at work. Um, so those are the things that I learned from pops about you know this game. But this game is always going to humble people. You know, from day one, it, you know. You go out there four for four. You think you then all of a sudden you're 0 for four, then 0 for two, then 0 for three, and, and then you know you're hitting 150 for the month, and you're like, wait a minute, I was just this way, like. Mm-mm. So I always, you know, for me, I always wanted to be, you know, I could laugh, I can joke, but when the game started, I didn't, you know, I was dead serious about what I had to do, um, but. I didn't let my at-bats get to me. Whatever happened to that bat, it's over with. I can learn from it and try to move on. Um, you know, as you know, this game, it's about making adjustments. And, and just like in life, you got to make adjustments every day in life. Let's make them on the ball field. Yeah. Very true. So I got – you got to the big leagues. How old were you, 19? 19. Okay. And I, and I tell people, you know, cause I, I'm watching this game. I got a son just starting his pro career 
But, you know, I watch, I pay attention to Uncle Aaron. You know, I got dad over there with the Washington. So I've been pretty actively watching the game since since I retired. And and I remember a few years ago, uh, Harper and Trout were coming on the team. Mm-hmm. And they were getting to the big league when they were 18, 19 years old. I said, the only guy, this doesn't happen very often. I said, Junior came up. There was Junior, and he was about the only one that was coming up when he was 19. Now you got Harper and Trout, and they've, you know, they're, they're showing that they're pretty darn special players. But fast forward to today's game, and now it seems like you got Soto, you got Guerrero Jr., you got Tatis, he's 21 now, you got Acuna in, in Atlanta. Is that how the game's changing now? Because coming up when you're 19, wasn't the norm. That was like once in a generation. Now it seems like even though these kids are really talented, I love watching play, especially Soto, his approach. And, and I mean, unbelievable at that age. But what was it like being 19? I, I think when I was 19, I was at USC. We were worried about going to a regional, and I was going to the football game. And, and Penny, you're playing in the big leagues. Uh, not too many people have that experience. What uh, What's it like being a teenager in the big league? Not too many people. No, I mean, it, it has its plus and has its minuses. And, you know, the, the pluses are that this is what you you wanted to do all your life and you're finally there. Uh, the minuses is that everybody knows you are who you are and there's a lot of things you can't do. Um, and you learn. I mean, you know, like I said, um. <clears throat> You know, I learned from hearing the the, the strawberry and and, and Doc Gooden's uh, um, issues, being 19 in the big leagues and things like that. Uh, and I didn't want to be on the wrong side of of, of history. Now, you know, Daryl lives right down the street from me. Uh, every now and then we get a chance to catch up and talk, but uh, he's changed his life. I haven't heard anything from Doc, but uh, Gary says that he's okay, doing all right. So... You know, I take his word for it. You know, that's his uncle. Um, yeah. But, <clears throat> you know, you, you and plus I had teammates, Alvin, Harold, Dave Valley, Jeffrey Leonard, uh, Mickey Brantley, um, you know, Mike Jackson, who were like, hey, we ain't going to do all this stuff. This is how you want to stay here. This is what we need you to do. And I think that, you know, most people don't see that. Um, when a veteran or a group of veterans pull you aside and don't have a jealous bone in their body, they just want to see you be successful. You know, we don't have that a lot now. Everybody, it's all men for themselves. Nobody, you know, guys are doing whatever and, you know, and there's no, there's no veteran leadership to say, "Mm -mm." I remember I was scared to death of Mickey Brantley and Jeffrey Leonard, my rookie year. Yeah. It's uh yeah it it is it's a different game than than when we were coming into the game. I remember you know you got up there in I think '89, and uh, you know my first year in the big leagues was '92, and I had some of the same teammates. You know I had Bone. You talk about Bone getting on me every day, and and Harold and and you. Edgar wouldn't really wear me out much. He's too nice, but but there was Chris Bosio. You know. There were guys that kept the young guys in check. And as mm-hmm. long as you stay on the straight and narrow, uh, they, they let your clothes remain in one piece. And sometimes they, they cut the sleeves off your off your shirt, but that's all right. 
no, no, um, no, I mean, they got to do that. Yeah. So what's uh, talk about the? We're going to talk about the Nike trip a little bit, and we're talking about. I think you were the first guy in baseball to have your own shoe, have your own brand. You know, you're you're kind of the Michael Jordan of baseball before baseball had a Michael Jordan. So I, I remember going on those Nike trips and, uh, you know, the rest of us have this, Danny, the rest of us have this shoe meeting where we got to go up and design our shoe for the year. And, and Kenny always had his own meet, his own shoe meeting, but he was, he did. He was the first guy to have that, have that, sh- you know, he had his own shoe. He was, he, he was swing man. Is that what it is? Swing man, right? Yep. And, uh, I, I, I always thought that was great. It was the, you know, it, it was Michael and then there was Kenny. And then I think later on in Kenny's career, I think Jeter was the next one to get his own shoe. But still to this day, there's not too many people that have it. It took me 10 years before Nike let me design my own shoe. And they weren't selling it at Dick's Sporting Goods. Junior shoe was a Dick's Sporting Goods. But uh, those Nike trips, they, they were fun. Okay. Sometimes they were too much fun. Uh, yeah, a little over the top sometimes, but, you know, it's all, you know, when you get a chance to, you know, you compete and then you, you have friends. And I think that's the good thing about sports is that you have friends that you meet that are longtime friends after you guys meet uh, on these trips. And, you know, a Nike, Nike athlete is always a Nike athlete. And, uh, you know, so going on those trips, uh, I think that's the only time my wife really talked to me during uh, was when she knew that the Nike trip was coming. <laughs> well, shoot, that's the only time Susie used to talk to me. Now Susie ain't my wife anymore. Wait, wait, Junior. Hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on. This was fun. I, th- I think, okay. you know, people see a little bit different side. We're not talking about, you know, the things we normally talk about. But I, have, I appreciate you uh, having you on. No appreciate problem. you coming on. It's great to see you. Great seeing you. You got a you got a couple turns coming up. You got anything else? You got anything? No, no, no. I'm, uh, I'll probably be in your way in a couple weeks uh, out to San Diego. Well, give me a call if you want to play some golf. Yeah, I'm gonna bring my clubs. You got it. And, and you're gonna give me two strokes, one aside. One aside. I'll give you. I'll give you one aside. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Fine. Even though I'm a, even though I'm a three and you're a five, I'll take that one aside. Well. I haven't seen you in a while. I got to be nice. Oh, okay. A little hospitality. I like that. All right, Danny. You got anything for Kenny? I got a couple quick questions for you, then I'll let you go, bud. I think you kind of touched on it first. You were the face of the league for almost 15 years. My entire high school growing up and watching baseball, you were the guy everybody loved watching. Nowadays, Mike Trout can walk down the street and nobody can even recognize him. What is it that that guy's not doing that you were able to do? Um, nothing. I, I just think that, you know, Mike is a very private person. I understand, um, you know, privacy and, and things like that. But, you know, Mike is, I love to see him play, you know, uh, him and Bryce and uh, and all the young guys coming up. But, you know, there's certain things guys, you know, draw the line of what they want and what they don't want. And um, he's a private person. And, you know, it, it's uh, for me, you know, I told my mom that I wanted my own shoe. Well, I knew that you have to do things if you want your own shoe. So 
uh, you know, I was able to to get that, and I knew that there were certain things that were going to happen after that. That you know, being a pitch man for for companies that you've got to do certain things, and they want certain days, and but uh, you know, I don't think that Mike's done anything wrong. I just think he's a very private person, and and um, you know he has his ways and this is the way he lives his life. I mean, you know, uh, one of the Nike trips I was supposed to go on, I, I missed, he was on and every other one that I've been on, he hasn't been on, you know, so, you know, but, uh, he's a, a great ball player and, you know, it's fun to watch, but, uh, like I said, he's just a private person. Had it not been for the injuries in your career towards the end, and you being probably one of the few clean players that came out of that generation, you and Frank Thomas and a couple other guys, had it not been for the injuries and all that, how many home runs do you think you could have ended up ended with? Had it not been for, the I don't really look at. I, I don't look at those things. Um, a lot of my stuff is trying to make the team better. You know, whether it be running to a wall, diving for in the outfield. Um, you know, trying to stay in a rundown so my teammates could get an extra base, trying to score from second. It, it's nothing like, you know, I fail and, you know, I hurt the team that way. It's always been on the field stuff. Um, so I don't look at it that way. I did my best. Um, injuries are a part of the game. I mean, you look what happened a couple of days ago to Dak, you know. At Prescott. Yeah. So um, he's trying to make a play, trying to help his team, and he's going to be sidelined for four to six months and maybe longer. That was pretty gruesome. Yeah, those things happen. And, um, you know, you don't wish those on anything, anybody, but, you know, he's going to be, he's going to come back. I came back. I mean, you know, I've had 20 surgeries from baseball. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Would I change anything? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, every ball hit to me in center field is fair. So it's just a matter of will. Do I want to will myself into running into a wall? Some people don't have that mechanism. They'll pull up. But, you know, I have it that I want to catch the ball at all costs. I'll worry about what happens after math. But right now, in the moment, I'm going to go out there and give you 100%. Awesome. Um, towards the end of your career, I actually got a chance to kind of, I don't want to say be around you, but I covered some White Sox games. You were in Chicago. What did you like here about the food? Was there a certain pizza you liked to get? Were you on the Italian beef side? Or what were you all about here in Chicago? Well, I have family who live there. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're constantly... <laughs> you know, because the, the the funny thing is that when Melissa called, so when they found out I was coming to Chicago, they said, oh, we got you. And I was like, what does that mean? So I'd come home, my apartment, it'd be clean. My apartment would be well, stocked full of food. <laughs> like, oh. But they knew that, you know, that I, I, Melissa made a call to, to my family. Like, hey, he's coming there. He's coming there by himself because the kids are in school, blah, blah, blah. They were like, no, don't worry about sis. We got him. Uh but, you know, there's a, um, a little Japanese restaurant that I like, Ron in Japan. Yes. That is a good place. Yes. Uh, With the lobster, lobster cardiac sauce. 
Yes, yes, yes. The 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 we're gonna take you straight to the the hospital. With, <laughs> and it's right by Northwestern too. It's a staple. Uh, you know, and, and there's certain things. You know, you wanted the the deep dish pizza staple. Uh, so it was it was funny because my cousin called, and when she started speaking. The guy on the phone was like, "Hey, uh, Kathy, is that you?" <laughs> like she already he already knew the voice. He was trying to figure. You want the same order? And she was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Really? You go? He knows your voice. You call here that much that he knows your voice?" <laughs> uh, dropping and, and that name. Got, dropping that name. Yeah, and then you got your you know your your other restaurants. Uh, you know the, the the man himself, the legendary coach. Did you get to go yeah, there? Dead guy. Yeah, no. Look, dead guy. I only want to say it because he got a bear shirt on right now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we were going to be doing a video call, my man. I would have dressed a little nicer for the part. It was audio. Well, I was so. gonna, I was gonna say. I mean, in terms of who you are, first of all, you've had the greatest baseball game I've ever played in my entire life, I'm, as far as a video game is concerned. So I had a lot of people asking me, ask you about. What does I even have your own video game? Forget the shoe. I think every kid really dreams going, I want my own video game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, every now and then I I, I, uh, I bring it out to mine. I'm like, hey, because my youngest, <laughs> Tevin, he goes, Dad, uh, tell me, how's it feel? to how, how did you play back in the day? And I was like, and I was still playing at the time. I was thinking I was like 38. <laughs> he goes, how do you feel about playing back in the day? And I'm like, oh, hold on. So, you know, I bring out the video games. He's like, you had your own video game? I said, uh, shoot, video game? What else you want? Uh, oh, I love it. <laughs> and he just started laughing because, you know, when they get to a certain point, I mean, he's six and he had no idea that I had all this stuff. But because uh, we just don't, you know, the only reason why you look at my golden gloves behind me at the time uh, is because my wife put them there. If it, me, I'd unbox one, and that was it. <laughs> well, what's the point of having them if you ain't going to show them? It means I got to box them up. <laughs> Kenny, these kids, they, they know nothing. I, they, I was watching. They had a ESPN Classic game. It was a 1980 World Series, and and my dad's catching. And I'm, I'm trying to show my twins. It's like, that's your grandpa right there. Like, who, the hitter? I said, no, the guy catching. These kids got no clue. It's it, You're right. It's bad. back in the day. Yeah, it's back in the day. Wow. My dad showed a, a, a high school football game of him. Oh, and, oh that's and black and white. <laughs> that's about a two second, two, oh. two seconds and they're done. And he's, they're out. He's running down the field and Tevin and Trey go, Grandpa, which one are you? He goes, I'm that guy. I got the ball. <laughs> and they just look at him. And what are you doing? Like, <laughs> well, that is awesome. Also, and I've said this to a couple of people before, and I've even said to Brett too. If my son ever shows anything more excitement than space and dinosaurs right now, at some point, I hope he's watching sports with me. If he says he wants to watch, you know, watch basketball, I will show him hours and hours of Michael Jordan. And if he says I want to show, I want to watch baseball, I will make him YouTube your swing. It is the greatest swing of all time. That's got to bring a smile to your face every time somebody says that because it's one of the few things that. I mean, it's like 
well, I'm a radio guy. When people say I have a nice voice, it's like you kind of want that. You're like, of course, it's kind of yeah. something you want to know. But when, when someone says you have the greatest swing of all time in all the hundreds of years baseball played, it's it got to fair. It, left-handers ain't fair. It's not. Left, lefties just got prettier swings. No, we just look better. Come on, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. This has been awesome. Danny, let's wrap us up. All right. Sorry. I had to get a couple in. You know, I, I, we haven't had a Hall of Famer on here yet. Okay. This has been this the Brett Fan Time. This is the Brett Boone Podcast. We want to thank Ken Griffey Jr. for joining us. Once again, if you want to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, you can do that. iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. Of course, you can reach out to Brett at, at the Boone29. Ken Griffey Jr., you're on Facebook and Instagram. Do you tweet? Are you a Twitter guy? No. Uh-uh. No Twitter. No Facebook. Only Instagram. Well, somebody I just tagged a couple people on it, so somebody got tagged with you, so that's how you live. None of well, we want to thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for listening, everybody, to the Boone Podcast. We'll see you guys next week. See ya. Later.